This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. This is the podcast making, public transit taking, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, Tim the Nerd, welcoming you all to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. We thank you for starting your week off with us. Seated next to me, we have the exhausted but happy greatest legal mind of the Pacific Northwest, Professor Aubrey. How you doing? Hello, Tim. As you noted, I am feeling tired right now. Yes, yes, that uh, usually happens on nights that we record after you teach. That's right. It's just a lot of teaching, takes a lot out of me, it's nighttime, but I like, you know, I'm happy to be here and doing the podcast with you. Well, I can imagine it's somewhat similar to like a performer high or something like that, because yeah. you know, the few times that I was an actor uh, in my 20s in college, um, you know, if only I could use that to score back in the day. I know, so, right? Yeah, I'm an actor, baby. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, anytime you had a play and we're on stage, like your brain kind of prepares you for battle in a way like a lot of times you know you get prepared for that moment but then once you're in that moment and having to face it you want an instinct and then afterwards your body is just like whoo we're safe and then it it wants to shut down unless there's weed at the after party <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, right well yeah so i definitely experience a elevated you know just my my nervous system is very keyed up mm -hmm. while i'm teaching and then like more keyed up than it is ever like just really activated mm -hmm. like every part of me is engaged in what i'm doing and then when that's over it's almost like i've been clenching my muscles during that whole time and then i you let go and relax and you just kind of flop yeah, so I had to uh, get like a bike pump and inflate the professor back up after class. <laughs> Walk her around like weekend at Bernie's. Like that. <laughs> We're going to do a show today. <laughs> what? <laughs> Welcome to Friends Talking Nerdy. I love you. Um, <laughs> well, we thank you for putting the time in uh, once again, time that you could be using for your own physical development, in this case, napping, but putting the time in to being here with me and being here with our lovely audience. Yeah, I love to be with you in the audience. Exactly. <laughs> Sultry voice there. Anyway, <laughs> um, First of all, we got to start off. Um, if you listen to last week's show, which, um, you know, we recorded a little bumper to start things off um, that, you know, funny enough, we just recorded here a few seconds ago. Thanks, Time Machine. Um, but we are now a part of the Deluxe 
Edition Network. Den. Den, den, den. It is a podcast. Uh, it's a podcast network. It's it's not a paying gig uh, or anything like that, but I didn't expect it to be going in. Let's be honest there. Um, what this is, is a much better organized uh, network of people than the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network could have ever hoped to be. Yeah. You it know, seems very organized. Yeah, and they got a number of podcasts that are so like hundreds, good. not hundreds, but you know, the um, close to thirty. Oh, thirty. That's all. Yeah, that's hundreds. <laughs> oh, I thought it just kept going and going and going. No, I'm excited. I've already, uh, you know, been contacting on Facebook Messenger because they have a group chat um, with with some of the people uh, involved in the group uh, here. And um, yeah, going forward, you're gonna see some like some cosmetic changes. Of course, we're gonna um, like, at, for instance, at the start of the episodes now have the Deluxe Edition Network promo uh, to start things off. Uh, at the halfway point of the show, before we reach our main event, uh, we will cut to a commercial for one of the wonderful shows that you will find on the Deluxe Edition Network. And in our show, no- show notes, of course, you will have um, links to various uh, uh, D- Deluxe Edition Network uh, shows and other things that, that you can find as well. But I am excited for this opportunity because um, in... In the in the in the indie artistic world, whether it's indie podcasting, indie writing, or anything like that, the only way you can succeed is if you have a network of somebody, uh, of somebody in in your circle that can help you. You know, like th- there's th- not many examples of somebody like making their own movie who was an agoraphobic and didn't like people who made a movie that ended up being you know something that made over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. You're not you know maybe there's a writer that you know could write a book that could get people's interest but think about how stilted um like the the dialogue from somebody who doesn't like people with sound mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right. i mean if you're lacking certain things like that so um especially important for people in our spot you know the more help you can get uh to you know you know amplify um, you know, the voice here that we have at Friends Talking Nerdy, the better it's going to be now. Um, would the end is like, would, would I complain if this turned us into like a multi-million dollar podcast? Of course not, but I'm not exactly, you know, buying any new planes as of yet. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like anybody that becomes famous that decides they should fly a plane, you know, just ask John Denver how that goes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, too soon, too soon, maybe. But um definitely proud to be a part of this and and more than anything, I think this is gonna get uh, friends talking nerdy in more people's ears. Oh, absolutely. People who never would have heard of us otherwise. Exactly. And like a quick moving virus, we will invade your whole body and you will just find yourself unwilling to live your life without friends talking nerdy in it. Yes. Yes. That's how, that's what happened to me. Exactly. Kind of, kind of like it got absorbed or like there's a. Yes, a, I've become part of the Friends Talking Nerdy. Yeah, there's an episode of Doctor Who uh, that happened in the third season that was actually written by a fan that won a contest. And it's generally considered one of the worst episodes, but they had a villain called an Absorbitron. Absorbitron. And at like the end of it, it's like this big guy, you know, they're trying to. Basically, they found a guy that sort of looked like uh, Mike. Mike. Uh, Mike Myers uh, dressed up a fat bastard. Oh, uh-huh. and um, you know, at the end of the episode, you had people like he had his shirt off, 
and you saw his belly, but the faces of some people that went missing in the episode were like alive and talking from his belly because he absorbed them. Whoa. Yeah. I don't want to be absorbed in that way. Yes. I mean, think of you were absorbed in the butt cheeks. You know, if you're going to absorb, like, make it like a like a chest thing or something like that. But, like, butt cheeks, lower thigh, you know. Yeah, it's a very good point. I think if I'm going to meld with someone else's body, I'm going to choose a very specific place, like a hand. Uh-huh. That might be a good place to be joined with another person. Or something like that. Yes, but... <laughs> This is what we do here at Friends Talking Nerdy, folks. For anybody that is a part of the Deluxe Edition Network that's listening for the first time, we ramble. Yep. And we have a good time doing it. And, um, yeah, so each and every week we'll have some more information for you about the Deluxe Edition Network. Now, um, want to talk about the show here for a bit. I got an update from the Reverend Tracy. No way. Indeed, yes. She's, uh, Z is finally getting to a point to where, um, they can talk to other people now because they're less, you know, less busy. Um, as we announced a few months back, the baby Reverend was born. Nice. Successful birth, and the baby Reverend is growing up to be a rainbunctious little, uh, baby right now. Um, yeah, today the Reverend uh, sent me a couple of pictures, which were like, "Oh, a cute baby." I'm I'm glad I don't have any more myself, but oh, oh, cute baby. Indeed, indeed, and um, also today, as we record this, the Reverend Tracy um f- has uh finally had enough time to be able to start contributing uh again, and um has started making some memes for us. Nice. Yeah, because. At the end of the day, you know, like what I've learned about a podcast, you get the people that work in the podcast, you got to think of it like a band, you know, like you can have people that found a band like Kiss, for instance, um, Ace Freely and Peter Chris were, you know, two, two of the four people that started the band Kiss, but in the eighties ended up leaving that band, mm. you know, they did found it, but they left it and no longer, uh, contributed to it. And while I think they, they have been, you know, compensated for the work they've already done, the fact that they left meant that they're no longer getting, uh, any sort of, it, it's not theirs anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, like when I think about the show, it's like the part of the band is one, the Reverend Tracy, uh, because Z helped, uh, you know, with the creation of the show. And then once uh, Z ended up coming on the show on a regular basis after episode 100, you know, helped with uh, essentially helping shape the format of what we do on the show today, you know, because we have, we used to have a lot more sprawling episodes out there. <laughs> yeah. Remember the marathons? Mm-hmm. I mean, during the pandemic is one thing. I mean, a lot of people did have a lot more free time at that particular point, but um, yeah, for an indie podcast, it's unrealistic to, to expect people to ch- take out two and a half hours out of their day. You know, that doesn't mean I do, you know, am I ashamed of any of the co- any of the content we put out, of course, but got to be realistic as as a as a podcast in our position. We want to be able to create short and snappy content that is gonna just just feel like baby bear's porch, just right. yeah, just right. 
And number two is you. Um, you know, like I mentioned off air, like you have been a part of the show longer than the Reverend Tracy. Um, almost from day one, uh, you've helped, you know, financially with the show. You've been our longest Patreon supporter. Uh, longest running Patreon supporter to date and helped with other uh, show related expenses in terms of like, you know, the trip to Seattle, for instance, you know, the inner transportation getting up there. Well, but we, that was for your birthday. That wasn't, and we did well, the podcast. That's you part. get my point though. You get my point though. Yeah. But like, we haven't spent very much money on this podcast. Well, yeah. I mean, we are smart on it, of course. I mean, the, the yeah, primarily if there was no podcast, we still would have done the same things in Seattle. Yeah. Right. But, you know, the fact that, you know, we were still able to do that, you know, was because of you. So, like, when I think of you, I think you like the Ron Wood of podcasting, the, of this show. Um, what do I mean by that? Ron Wood, when he joined the Rolling Stones in, in the mid-70s, um, you know, was hired and was just considered an employee. But through his work on the show over time, got to the point to where they were like, he's been a member of the band you know because it's like what it's like what i was saying too like the people in a podcast that should be rewarded for it are the people that put in the work you put in the work the reverend tracy puts in the work i put in the work this is our band just wanted to put that out there folks playing yeah playing in the band yeah um but yeah it was uh, definitely great to being able to catch up uh, with the reverend tracy again and um with Having a young child, uh, you know, in terms of the Reverend being back on the show anytime soon, we'll see. I mean, but that's, again, understandable. Uh, you know, I've, I was a parent myself at one point. I know how much time, uh, little time you have as a parent. And, you know, when you're somebody in her, her, her position with a full-time job, with a new house and a mortgage, with a young child... You know, I can understand not being able to be there, you know, week by week uh, yeah. for the show, you know, yeah. but this is our band. Yeah. The band's going on, right? Absolutely. The band's going on. Band played on. That's right, folks. So just wanted to give you that uh, update right there. Uh, just we we are always growing. We're always changing. We're always learning. But the band is here to stay. That's right. All right. We've had some interesting animal experiences this week. Yes. Speaking of, you've got one of the cutest kitties in the world right there in your lap. Yeah. Little Miss Annie um, has taken to jumping on things like her mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um like she, we like we've mentioned on previous episodes, like we do like to keep like the bathroom door closed. But you know, when we go in there, if they want to come in, that's fine. You know, I just think, you know, especially with some of the chemicals and stuff that can be in bathrooms, it's a good idea to keep them out of there. But, you know, one thing Annie quickly fell in love with is the sink and the tub. She loves that tub. Yeah, every time we either one of us walk back towards the bathroom, she's following us and giving the most pitiful meow by the bathroom door with her tail up, like, please, mister, will you let me in so I can go see the sink, mister? <laughs> yes, and she's very fast, and so you open the door and she just darts right in there and jumps up in the tub. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's that's on me because I maybe it's probably not the best attitude to have, but I do think in some ways cats are curious on stuff that they're no, told no on all the time. Oh, yeah. If you give them a chance to explore a little bit, then they're less likely to want to continue to get up 
you know, to, to the trouble that you think they're getting into, even though it's just cats being cats, damn it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And we got some new toys. We did. So I got a Mylar ball. So it makes crinkly sound, especially for Mimsy, because she really likes crinkly noises. And then Annie also seems to enjoy playing with it. And uh, the other thing I got them was some fancy wet food. Yeah, they've definitely been loving that. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, usually about five, six o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> If one of us is in the kitchen, they're usually standing by the food, um, the where we keep the food, and just sitting there like, hello, it's been a while since I've eaten, sir. <laughs> look at the most pitiful looks and meows. Um, but also, um, you know, speaking of the kitchen, uh, with Annie's love of the sink and the bathroom, the fact that we're not just letting her in the bathroom whenever she wants... She's found that there's another sink in the house, mm -hmm. and that's in the kitchen. Don't look at me like that, Annie. Okay. Yeah, so, like, we'll hear some little clinking noises going on, and then I'll walk into the kitchen, and she's just on the counter just sitting there like, what's up? <laughs> I'm yeah. the counter kitty now. Exactly. Like, you know, f at first I thought it was, unfortunately, maybe there was, you know, like, like a fr leftover food from like a dish or something that, you know, she was getting up there and trying to get at. So, you know, did the dishes, cleaned everything off, but she kept on doing that. And like today, as we record, this was the day that I first saw her just, she likes to just hop up there and sit. In this, in on on the ledge, like not in the sink, it's not in the kitchen mm -hmm. sink itself, but like mm -hmm. on the part of the counter, uh, just in front of the sink. Now, if it's the bathroom sink, like when I'm taking a bath, um, she'll commonly come in there and just curl up in the bathroom sink. Like if she could sleep in that bathroom sink, she would. That is so interesting, Annie Bean. Yeah, so definitely having fun with the cats. Um, Mimsy is quite the cat as well. Like Mimsy kind of have you ever had uh, like a toddler or a kid no no older than five like fall in love with you oh yeah mimsy is a lot like a, a young kid that you know just really it's like you're the best mister can i follow you everywhere you need to go mister you're so cool like today she was sitting on top of the the chair and just uh, you know i got a nice little picture with her Oh, yeah, that was a very cute picture. Because of that. Um, and I've also been helping with uh, getting them uh, more time with the crows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of that, um, I posted uh, the video on Instagram, but this is the first time I've ever seen it, and it was directed towards me. I had a crow sing at me. Wow. What did it sing? Um, with, the, with the crow singing, it was just like a low hum. But what it would do is bow its head and like uh, right on the underside of its beak, there's like a little fleshy pouch. Like it, it allows them to store like tons of peanuts or whatever as they fly. Uh huh. And so when the crow bowed its head down, that pouch extended a bit and it was like a hmm. It was like a low hum. Uh, if you watch the video and listen, um, it's very faint, but I was able to pick that up. And um, when it first did that, I just got the video and then the bird flew off. Um, but that same bird came back a few minutes later and kept on doing it. So um, it was raining out. So I, you know, the crows like looking in already, you know, we're oddities to them, but in a, a curious way. And so um, I went and got my boots, put my boots on, grabbed some, uh, grabbed 
grabbed some peanuts, went out there, the crow stayed on the railing. And the crow was looking at me like, the crow trusted that I would not approach and do anything stupid. I don't think the crow would have been on the railing if it felt any sort of danger at all. Um, but I, it just felt like this crow was like, you're all right, sir. <laughs> putting out the nuts and i went out there put the nuts on the table looked uh, at the bird on, on a couple of occasions and talked to it um the cats were behind the screen door so the bird saw saw them as well and then uh ultimately it walked back into the house and once i closed the door to the deck that's usually when the crows will go to the table and that's what happened this time Mm. The crow uh, went to the table, but th that was totally cool to have the crow sing for me to get my attention and then just hang out with me. J just cool. Yeah. You know, like, I think it understood that, you know, I wasn't going to, like, try and pet it or, you know, do something stupid. I wasn't going to be like that little girl from Finding Nemo. Hello, fishy! <laughs> you know? Oh, my God, I hate that girl. Um, but that has been our animal event of the week. Did you have any more uh, you wanted to say about our girls? No, I just feel like you're really lucky that you had a crow sing at you. I would like to have one sing at me. But I'll tell you about something that's been annoying me lately. What is that? It's like Christmas already everywhere I go. And it's not even Halloween. I mean, it's never really bothered me before. I've always been like, what's the big deal when people complain about it? But there's just something about, like, it was just 84 degrees three weeks ago. And now it's time for peppermint ice cream and eggnog. So everywhere I go has eggnog now. It is eggnog season. I can understand, you know, stuff like eggnog being on the shelf on November 1st, you know, and, and going forward from there. Because I think eggnog... Something like eggnog, because that was the big thing that you were upset about at yes. first when you brought it up here. But, you know, eggnog is still a drink that, you know, goes well for, like, Thanksgiving as well. Oh, um, yeah. You can have eggnog at Thanksgiving. Yeah, but to your point, like, we're not even, I mean, we're it's a few days away as we record this. By the time you hear this, Halloween will have passed. But to your point, we're, we are not at Halloween yet um, as we record this. So having it there reminding us, it, I mean, all it is is it's a marketing ploy i mean you know it's think of how many businesses in july will have their christmas in july sale mm -hmm. you know it's it's all become marketing if you look back in history too like we had holidays that we that we supported and whatnot even even every every nation has had its own separate holidays but like it seems like in the 20th century especially the holidays were just commercialized more and more and more like our image everything is commercialized more and more, and more i mean our image of santa comes directly from coca-cola ads at the start of the 20th century i i get the frustration of of seeing that so early because all it is is some corporate douchebag sitting somewhere like we need to make more money this quarter let's have a sale <laughs> yeah right or like people people like eggnog and peppermint ice cream and pumpkin spice because of its rarity yeah if you have something that's like diamonds something that's rare but plentiful you know people will ultimately get the get the get the idea get the hint at some point that you know hey there's something going on here hmm. diamonds are a lot more plentiful than the diamond companies would make you believe 
Yeah, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about the diamond industry. Yeah, well, I mean, there, yeah, I mean, there's a good Adam ruins everything episode about it. <laughs> oh, we should watch it. Yeah, indeed. Um, but anything more about eggnog? No, it's just annoying me. Yeah. Yeah. Just excessive holiday cheer this early. We don't need to hear that. We don't need to hear Christmas songs. We don't need to hear Mariah Carey. And we don't need to hear those damn cats running around in the background. That's right. We don't need to hear any of that. Any of that. No Christmas. No nothing. It is the time between holidays. Exactly. Exactly. So, anything more to say about Christmas? Nope. All right. So, sit back, relax, and listen to this commercial. And we will be right back. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Quad Pro Quo. Right now, you are probably thinking to yourself, oh, great, another movie podcast. Well, dear listener, you would be right. But throw in a couple of marriages, decades-long friendships, and a shared property line, And you have just another movie podcast with a shitload of drama. Inspired by the iconic quid pro quo scene in Silence of the Lambs, each week one of us will pick a movie. It could be a childhood favorite, a classic film noir, an Academy Award winner, or a complete dumpster fire that brings joy to that person's heart. The selector's objective? To get us to love or at the very least, not hate their pick. Will our marriages, our friendships, and our neighborhood survive? Find out each Thursday on Quad Pro Quo. All right, we are on to the main event of our episode this week. And this week, we're going to talk about something that we've talked about many times on Friends Talking Nerdy. We're going to be talking about music, but we're going to be talking about it in a different way. Uh, We're going to be discussing an article that we found on Psychology Today called How Music Can Keep Aging Brains Healthy by Dr. Um, and I'm I apologize uh, for mispronouncing this because I assume I am going to, but um, Sharam Sharam Heshmat, PhD. And yes, we're going to go through some bullet points that the article uh, talked about here uh, in terms of just how important music is for cognitive development, even for us older folks. You know, like I'm 47, you're 48, you know, we're 49, you're 49. And uh, you're like, how many other things have you forgotten about me, Tim? Exactly. (laughs) You bastard. Um, But we're getting older, and it's important to prepare for old age by taking into consideration things like this. Because if doing something as simple as, you know, listening to an album every day is going to be a, even something that's a small thing, but small positive contribution towards making your old age as good as it can possibly be. Why not do it? Absolutely. Right. You know, I really think that um, older people in particular can benefit from music. And, um, you know, I think it helps kids as well with their development. But it seems like, you know, I was telling you when we were talking about talking about this topic, that I've seen documentaries where there are older people who have seemingly cognitive impairment and that can't remember things. 
and that is not active. And then they'll play music from that person's youth. And they'll be up dancing and talking normally and walking. And it's really amazing. Look at Glenn Campbell. Uh, the last years of his life, uh, he battled with Alzheimer's disease mm. and, you know, got to the point where it was really hard for him to basically function, but he still had some touring commitments to take care of. Mm. Um, and, and he knew that by doing so, he'd be helping his family out money wise. It wasn't like he desperately needed the cash, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, he wanted to make sure that, you know, his family had a, had a nest egg when he passed on, but like in normal conversations with him, apparently it was tough for him to remember a lot of stuff, but he got up on stage, picked up that guitar and sang rhinestone cowboy. Like he sang it for the first time. I love Glenn Campbell. He's definitely of the 70s. Yeah, I don't think Justin Timberlake could pull off uh, Rhinestone Cowboy now. No. Justin Timberlake, as we've discovered, I mean, we've already known this and suspected this, but like Britney Spears released her memoir and apparently uh, stated that Justin Timberlake got her pregnant and they had an abortion that she kept from her parents. Oh my god. And the whole song Cry Me a River apparently is a slight against her. <gasps> Total shock. <yeah. laughs> wow, I'll have to re-listen to Cry Me a River. Yeah, yeah. Timberlake is a douchebag, but uh, I, again, I think that's something that's pretty been common knowledge. I mean, what? Yeah, there was definitely something between them. But I guess the thing is, like, why would you expect young teenagers, young adolescents to be able to function at that level at that age another thing to look at here is they're not the only kids that have grown up um in the entertainment world whether it be doing disney channel shows or nickelodeon shows who have talked about rampant abuse mm. um like there's a guy that used to work on head of the class his name is dan schneider um do you remember the big the big burly guy uh, that sat in the back of the class on the TV show, Head of the Class, if you ever watched it. I did watch it, but I don't remember him, no. Okay. Um, anyway, he went on to create and produce some of Nickelodeon's uh, top shows in the 90s, like iCarly. Oh, uh -huh. and, and stuff like that. I mean, we're not talking groundbreaking stuff here, folks, but it got ratings among the teen set, whatever. But, you know, it's been open. It's been an open secret now of just how disgusting that set was you know that whole ordeal was and you know there have even been stories about stuff like britney spears the crap she had to deal with um you know as a, as a kid you know growing up working on the disney channel shows mm -hmm. just how we like to pat ourselves on the back all the time stating you know we're so much better than we used to be but we end up finding out that no we're really not <laughs> you know right and the people with power and money still do the same things. Yeah, because even in the 90s, the 90s, when you lived through that era, was presented as this wide, it's just, you know, this new era where everybody was, this, you know, on the same level or something like that. But you still had, had like, the, the, a lot of the Harvey Weinstein stuff happened during the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like, I was very active and involved in women's rights in the 90s because there, you know, were examples everywhere of women being abused, taken advantage of, you know, paid half what men are paid, etc. And the fight goes on, the fight goes on. And what does that have to do with music? I don't know, but we rant here, folks. So Let's start our 
Let's start. Yeah, let, we're going to start the article here. We got five bullet points. The professor's going to start us off with bullet point number one. Number one, cognitive reserve. Cognitive reserve is the mind's resistance to age-related brain damage. Research has shown that stimulating life experiences like education level, mentally challenging occupations, and lifestyle habits like social engagements and physical activities are associated with higher resilience to age-related brain diseases. Music is known to be cognitively stimulating, and it could contribute to building such reserve throughout the life's course. Music makes unique demands on our nervous system, e.g. perception, cognitive control, memory, and motor skills, among others. For example, lifelong musical expertise seems to reduce cognitive decline. However, it's not necessary to be a professional musician to benefit from musical training. Research shows that even short-term musical training strengthens cognition in the elderly. As someone who grew up with musical training, I totally agree. I think it deals with a totally different part of the brain than anything else. In its hand-eye coordination, its balance, its ear, its aperture. It's like you're controlling so much of your body in order to do, to make music with your physical self. And I think the important thing that uh, that bullet point did touch upon was the fact that d- of of not keep not thinking of your music training in the mindset of this is something that could make me money someday. Oh, right. You know, it's, it's in terms of just, it's it, the brain is another muscle. You have to constantly work out. And if you don't train, if you don't train your brain, it's going to stuff and things impossible, right? <laughs> impossible. Yeah. It's not going to work correctly. You're going to, you know, like, yeah, I mean, if if you don't, you know, physically work all your arms and whatnot, you're not going to be able to pick up two, three hundred pounds or more or whatever, you know? Or even like 50 pounds. That too, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, and, and to your point too, yeah. I mean, with with music, it's not only um, you know the, the the physical aspects of it in terms of like guitar, for instance. You know, learning you know finger placement on the fretboard as well as correct strumming. Um, you know, it's it's also soul. Because think about all the people that have the technical skills to play skills to play good, whether it be a musical instrument, singing, or whatever, but just have no soul. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Axl Rose may be overall a shitty singer, but he's got soul. He's got something. Yeah. I mean, that you know, he's not going to... Social disease. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Shall I go on? Yes, please go on. All right. Number two, brain plasticity. The concept of neuroplasticity suggests that the brain is malleable and shaped by experience. Importantly, this happens over time and in response to a specific new skill. Research studies have identified structural and functional differences between the brains of musicians and non-musicians, especially in regions related to motor control and auditory processing. Evidence shows that even short-term musical interventions can promote brain plasticity and increase gray matter volume. For example, in one study, adults aged 60 to 85 without previous musical experience showed improved verbal fluency and processing speed after a few months of weekly piano lessons. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to disagree with in in, uh, that particular paragraph right there. And I think, again, it goes to show the importance 
importance of keeping your brain active. You know, like you don't want to be 50, 60, or 70 years old and spending 90% of your time in front of the television. No, you don't. Um, because then your brain will not work properly. And then it just starts feeding on itself. It's a negative feedback loop. You have got to maintain a positive forward progress. Yeah, and, and again, what um, you know, the the important thing that I'm glad this article has brought up and, and, and the point I will try to hammer home here is the importance of thinking of the mindset of just this being a hobby for you. Because even if it's just you at home teaching yourself how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb on a ukulele, that's something. Yeah, absolutely. And the joy of making music is just incomparable for me. I mean, think of how much money you could save yourself, too, by being able to make your own music. Think about how many family gatherings or gatherings with friends that you have that, including songs, would make that experience so much better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the greatest things that you can do when you do know an instrument is play for other people that you care for. I would like to play my new track, Lick My Love Pump. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only that you save money, it's it's like uh, my friend Patrick and I used to say that you'd never be bored if you had a guitar. Unless you were playing like 80s hair metal, like love ballads, you know. But if that was what you really liked, you wouldn't be bored. But who really likes that anyway? <laughs> so nobody would be doing that. Exactly. It's, I, you know me. I'm okay. the dumb one here. How about you go on with the next bullet point? Okay, number three. Background music. Even passive music listening can result in improved cognitive abilities, e.g. reading comprehension or driving ability that are crucial to the daily living in elderly adults. For example, simple passive exposure to background music, particularly classical music, during cognitive tasks is shown to improve elder adults' cognitive processes, such as processing speed, working memory, and episodic memory. Listening to music that stimulates a positive mood improves cognitive performance. I find it much easier to work listening to music I find it much easier to relax and enjoy myself when there's music. I feel very awkward when there's not music. And sometimes it's hard for me to decide what to listen to or to do the work of turning the music on. But I want it to be on all the time. And I think one thing they touch on here uh, in the paragraph, which is interesting, is listen by it's that term, phrase listening to music that stimulates a positive mood mm -hmm. um because and and we're going to be touching upon it here uh with the next bullet point that you do after i do mine but you know there is music that can make you feel down that can make you feel sad and you know if you listen to that on a consistent basis it can affect your your mood in negative ways like if you are already going through a depressive episode and you start listening to like some evanescence or something like that you know things are going to go a lot worse for you um so you know knowing the right type of music to listen to uh, uh, you know, during anything, it could be something as simple as, you know, like, like, like you said, you, when you work throughout the day at the office here, have music running in the background. It's not, it, it can be anything. You don't care what it is, as long as there is some form of music playing, but it could also be for, you know, other things.
other things as well. Like when I'm writing, I love to have uh, music playing as well that kind of puts me in the mood of the scene I want to create at that time. Mm, and that's why your working playlist is so sort of intense. Yeah, because... I uh, really like that playlist. I listen to it almost every day. Yeah, I have a master playlist that I put um, not every single song I absolutely like on, but songs that create a mood and moods that, you know, I want to capture in, in my writing, you know, which you can go read on uh, our website or on the show's Substack. If you subscribe to our Substack news newsletter on occasion, you'll have some of my fiction. We've got a Substack. We've got a Substack. Yep, with some of my fiction on there. Um, as we are recording this today, I released a short story um, called Jitters that I originally wrote in my 20s on there. Um, and uh, looking to actually write a sequel to that one. Yeah. That was my idea. <laughs> Just saying. The idea person here, yep. Mm-hmm. All right, shall I go on with the next one? Yes, please. All right, memory. Music can open forgotten doors to our memories, such as weddings, school dances, and parties with little cognitive effort. Music helps to recall all the memories that you're connected with a song. For example, the reminiscence bump is a concept used to describe enhanced memory for events that occur during adolescence and early adulthood that are often sharp. A song becomes a soundtrack for a particular time, such as during a summer hanging out with a specific group of friends. Wow, I mean, that is 100% true. Like, uh, for me, like, this, this is an example for me. The song Angel from Aerosmith. Anytime I hear that, it brings me back to 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night in Grand Rapids, Michigan, watching Friday night videos. Really? Like, I can feel that room yes. when that song uh, occurs. Yes. I have that experience with many songs. Mm -hmm. I really um, connect with music, and so when I remember things most is when I'm hearing music of that era. And I have very episodic musical taste, meaning I might like something for five years and then be like, I don't like that anymore. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. And so then when I do hear it, it's like, I haven't heard it in so long. And it's just so emblematic of that whole time period that it just is, is very memory provoking. That's like me with kid rock. There was a time I liked his music. <laughs> kid rock. Yeah. Like I, I've had some questionable music choices throughout my years. Um, you know, I did like Ice Ice Baby, for instance. Um, <laughs> so sorry there. Um, and Kid Rock was someone uh, that I did like for a while. But, you know, listening back to it now, I, I can't. It's just not good, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, and more than anything, too, what always turns me off is, like, it seems like all of his songs include, like, I like listening to this person and this person. It's like, who cares what you listen to? Mm -hmm. You know, shut up, you know, but it also, um, listening to his music also kind of brings me back to that era when I did like his music, that version of me, I'm glad I'm not him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because you remember what being him was like and yeah. you, it wasn't fun. Yeah. 
and and like I'm like basically too, I'm I'm just so much of a better person compared to what I was at the time. Not to say that I was like, um, you know, a deviant hood with a cigarette in my lip and go, hey, tips, you want to go in my hot rod and we'll go to the sock hop or something like that. <laughs> no, I, no, it wasn't like that. It, it, it I think ever a lot of people have that experience of you know being a dumbass in your twenties and then just realizing. Oof! I'm glad I'm learned the lessons I did, and I'm not having to go back to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and that's that's what I meant by that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you want to tackle the last one, and you know, we did kind of briefly touch upon this before. Yes, mood regulation. Music have has a great power to evoke strong emotions and intense pleasure, thus altering subjective mood and arousal. Music as an emotional stimulus can be used as an aid for escaping from everyday life through imagination or the evocation of autobiographical memories. Furthermore, musical activities often involve social functions, promoting social contact, empathy, cooperation, and a sense of belonging with others. Yeah, I mean, I think all of these things are really important, like moving your body, having friends, doing self-care things. All of these things are so important for mood regulation, and music is a really big one. And they can music can definitely evoke strong emotions. Like, think of times in your life to where, like, you're training for something, um, whether it be studying for like a big exam, like when you were studying the for the exam. bar exam, for instance. Um, didn't didn't you say you had like Eminem's "Lose Yourself" playing all the time? Oh yeah, Other that was my like that was my song for the bar exam was Eminem's "Lose Yourself," and I would just I listened to it every day. Also, Nessim Dorma, which is a classical song sang by Pavarotti mm-hmm. and was used for the Winter Olympics from wherever they were from. Torino from Torino because it was Winter Olympics time when I was studying for the bar so I would study from like 8 in the morning until 5 o'clock at night and then I would basically watch bad TV and until the Olympics came on and then I would watch the Olympics and I, you know, again, I kind of touched upon this in the previous point, um, your previous uh, point here but, you know, music, it is important to kind of Keep an eye on the music that you're playing too. Um, what do I mean by that? You know, there can be music that ends up affecting you in a negative way. Like if you are going through a breakup, there are certain songs you probably shouldn't be listening to. That kind, of, especially for guys, that kind of kind of spur on the negativity. Like what? Um, there's a song from Bill Hicks uh, called Chicks Dig Jerks. I think the opening line is Hitler had, Ava Braun, Manson had, Squeaky from Ted Bunny got lots of dates. I wonder what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I don't pretend to understand women's little quirks. Just the one thing I know for sure, Chicks Dig Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it's, know. But, I mean, it's funny. It is funny. I laughed at it. Um, but if you are going through something like a breakup, maybe listening to that over and over again is not helping you get out of the mood that you are currently in. It's, it's just more adding gasoline to the fire. And, you know, if you are having depressed moods, listening to extremely sad songs can help that mood get worse. Yes. You know, um, and, and I'm not suggesting that people should all, always only listen to something like Shiny Happy People all the time, even though I do like that song. It's, it's goofy in its own way. Um, but 
just watch the mood of the song. Like you can have something like a Motorhead song play, but you know, Motorhead, there's still a positivity, you know, in 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 that in a way. It's not some a, of their know, songs, not all of not them. all of them, not all of them. But you know, something like Ace of Spades is is meant to like be a kick in the ass and having you up and cheering by the end of it. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it. Music at the end of the day here to kind of close things out. Um, you know, we've talked about it many times. It's it's a vital part of life, whether you're a huge music fan or not. Like we all have that song for that occasion. That you know, every time we hear it, it it brings back a memory. Think about how many married people that are out there that hear that one song that makes them think of the person they love, and they get a goofy smile on their face. Mm-hmm. Only married people do that. Or not only married people, we're talking people that are also in committed relationships for long periods of time that have not gone through the legal um, process of getting married. Okay. So there you go. But you said they're with married people. I was just clarifying. This is what happens when you do a show with a lawyer. Folks. Oh, God. <laughs> Can I get off the witness stand, please? Yes. Okay. Anything else you would love to say to our lovely audience before we wrap things up? Um, just thanks for listening. <laughs> You're like, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. All right. Thank you all for listening, folks. Each Monday we'll have something in this podcast space to entertain your ear holes until we meet again. We bid you adieu. So long. And thanks for all the fish. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.